We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata. Mike, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing, Lindsey? I am battling a terrible cold, so I apologize again to the listeners that just, it won't go away. I'm trying NyQuil, I'm trying everything, and um, it's still still being pretty annoying right now. But all good vibes. The Bengals are rating four. Big AFC North game coming up at Paycor Stadium. We'll get into predictions and previews and all that fun stuff later. But we'll start with this because it's something that we've talked about for quite a few podcasts. It's the Samaj P. Ryan, Joe Mixon. I know we did get a few mailbag questions on it too, but Joe Mixon talked today. And with him getting through concussion protocol, which is great news, we heard more about this little background information. Zach Taylor talked about it. Looks like they decided to just go with their gut. They didn't get the uh, the doctor to clear him on Saturday and just said, look, we'll get you rest in the long run. This is going to be good. We need you. A lot of football left. And it sounded a little like Joe Mixon was was tad, tad annoyed with it because he wanted to be out there with the, with the players and uh, things like that. When asked by the media members in the open locker room today about being the starting running back, he reassured everyone that he's very much aware of that. And um, yeah, it just seems like, what do you think about Zach Taylor's decision to just rest him on Sunday? It's fine. I, I mean, this is what we hammered the Dolphins on for not doing with Tua. If Mixon went back out there, took a big shot to the head and had to be carted off or something, this is, you know, I get it's annoying, but if the doctor didn't clear you on Saturday, slim chance to clear you on Sunday. I mean, who knows? Maybe they do, maybe they don't, but sometimes you got to protect the players from the players. I guess it was a pretty nasty concussion to miss two weeks, but sounds like he's good to go now. I, I, I agree with Zach Taylor to rest him during that. If it's close call, just side on, you know, you've got a guy that's doing pretty well. Yeah, that was kind of my take from it. Um, You know, I I get where Joe Mixon's coming from. He's a competitor. He wants to be out there. This team is rolling right now. And getting Joe Mixon back is a great thing for this offense. And he will be RB number one on Sunday when they take on the Cleveland Browns. But, yeah, I agree with you. Um, I I think Zach Taylor's smart in that aspect because Samaje Ryan is doing enough with this offense. Joe Burrow is rolling. Um, he is a national candidate right now, top three MVP from a lot of sportscasters, and it's it's a fun conversation. The way the wide receivers are playing, you get Jamar Chase back out there, and I, I'm okay with it because Zach Taylor you know, has a point when you think of the long run. It's only early December right now. There's still a lot of regular season football to go, and if this team goes on a run in the playoffs again, I want Joe Mixon healthy, ready to roll. And the thing about it is with all that conversation – It's kind of wild because the week leading up to his five touchdown game, there was a lot of criticism for Joe Mixon. And we've talked about it plenty of times that, you know, he was battling an injury. He was coming back from that, not fully healthy. And the criticism was, oh, Samaje should be the starting running back and um, Joe should be the second running back and he should get more reps. And then Joe goes out there and has a five touchdown games, almost like, don't forget about me. I'm still really good at this job. And we're getting that kind of go rolling into this game again. The Samaj P. Ryan talk and nothing against Samaj P. Ryan. We had a segment dedicated to Samaj P. Ryan. But Joe Mixon is, is the number one guy. It almost feels like 
Joe Mixon can go off on Sunday when you think about the defense they're playing against. Yeah, on paper, this is a smash spot for the running back. Um, really, the Browns defense doesn't do anything that well, but they did last time they played the Bengals. So you almost got to throw it out the window a little bit. But if you do just look at the numbers, what they do normally on run defense, I mean, when you see clips and stuff, they just they play like five guys against seven and try and they don't really care about defending the run. You should be able to run in those boxes. You should be able to run against this team in general. Because if they're going to come down, then you should be able to throw over the top. They're not probably not going to come down into the box. So the run game should be there. That's a lot on the offensive line who didn't perform well in the first Browns matchup. I think a little bit lost in why the run game didn't work. I don't think Mixon played well, but I thought the offensive line played really bad. Like, I don't think anybody had a good game. Uh, that was a game Jonah Williams gave up like three sacks and one of them to a seventh-round rookie. Not great. So can't have that happen again. Uh, but when you look at this, this is one of the worst run defenses of the past decade, according to like, I think DVOA or DR or something, some advanced stat. They, they've gone back the past like 10 years, and this is bottom five in the past 10 years at defending the run. And they shut down the Bengals run game. So that shouldn't happen. And they got to make sure that doesn't happen again, because you want to be playing out in front of this Cleveland Browns team. And if that includes a long sustained drive to start, which could include some running, that's ideal. Uh, you don't need to, you don't want to fall behind and let them run the ball. And then you can't exploit the, the uh, on paper, good matchup. Yeah. I think the most important thing with this game, you're playing at home. And everybody knows Joe Burrows dropped five to the Cleveland Browns. Um, and that's really unfortunate. And that's just the way four. the ball rolls. Four, four, my bad. I'm sorry. I do not want to give him the fifth one because people will come after me. And Joe's better than that. And we're not doing that. Uh, he uh, he has a nice little record against Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, but just can't get over this Cleveland game. I feel like when they play the Browns, something wild happens every single time. And it's just like, what happened there? But, but the difference between this game right now in the second matchup versus the one on Halloween, this offense is rolling right now. This offensive line is playing better. I like the way the defense is playing. And I feel like the most important thing in the game plan going into this is take that long drive. When you start it, if, if, if you, if you decide, Hey, we're going to, we're going to take the ball and, and you, you have that choice to begin the game score first. If you score first, I feel so good about how this game is going to go. Nothing crazy, no interception, because Joe Burrow, for some reason, only turns the ball over against the AFC North right now. And if they take care of the ball and the way Joe Joe Burrow is, is currently rolling in, in this offense, it's going to be hard to stop them, um, especially if they can take the lead and, and run the ball like we thought they would in that Monday night football game. Yeah, two of his past uh... – well, back-to-back -back Browns games, I believe, for Joe Burrow. They had a really good starting opening drive. This is hard to remember on that Monday night game because everything was bad after that. But it's a really good starting opening drive and then interception. Just they get to a good point and there's an interception. In the matchup last year that he had against them, it was the pick six to Denzel Ward that he left inside. And this time, uh, whatever week that was, on Halloween, he threw the ball, Miles Garrett tipped it, and it got picked that way. I don't expect that to happen again, but who knows? TJ Watt was able to catch another one, so that's weird. But TJ Watt's going to be up there. It's going to be like a weird trivia stat that who has Joe Burrow thrown the most interceptions to, and TJ Watt's going to be in like the top five. But uh, 
yeah, overall, I feel I feel pretty good in general, which I don't know if I should, but just on paper, this matchup's there. And you have to remember in the last matchup, Jamar Chase didn't play. So that just changes how defenses are going to play against you. They treat Jamar Chase with a lot of respect, and I'm sure the Browns will as well. Um, I expect this to go differently, but I have been proven wrong before. Um, and I'm not going to get too far into the preview, but just in general, you, you got to feel pretty good about the Bengals are rolling. Like they weren't rolling when they went into that Browns game. It, it was a little up and down and then they hit the Browns game. And that was kind of like the low of the season. <laughs> and then they climbed back out of it with four straight wins. But uh, yeah. That yeah. Was I'm, not great. It, it's, I really want to forget about that night because it was Halloween. They lose on prime time. The game felt like they were down 50 when they were down by 11 at one point and you, they lost Cheeto in that game so it felt like it was two losses in one night but ever since that game this team is just on another level and definitely fun to watch they're on such another level that nfl rankings national media they're putting this team atop of the afc right now and it is the conversation with the chiefs some even have them in the top three overall in the nfl and it's just wild what a turnaround we've seen from this team after the 0-2 start and I'm going to say this to you. I don't feel like it's too much of a hot take. And obviously their record to start the season right now is better than it was last year. But don't you feel like this is better than the 2021 squad? And I know play, I'm not talking about the playoffs because that's a whole nother ball game when you get into the playoffs, but overall in regular season, I feel more confident about this team than I did at the point last year in December. Absolutely. I didn't feel really that good about the 2021 team until they blew out um, Baltimore and then, beat Kansas city. That was like really towards the end of the year. So I didn't feel that good about them until then. And even then it was more so I hope they win a playoff game. And then it was just a magical run. This team feels like a legitimate, it's not a magical run. If this team goes to the super bowl, like this is, I think clear cut top three team in the AFC, um, them KC and Buffalo. I know Miami has been playing pretty well, but they, Miami. I know Tua got hurt, but Miami also looked bad. I don't know. I'm debating that one a little bit, but Tennessee, I, I feel like they're 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 a step above Tennessee. They're to me a step above Miami, you could argue. Um, and Baltimore looks terrible, even though they have an eight and four record as well. I mean, barely beating the Broncos is not a good accomplishment. Also, they barely beat like every team they've been playing lately, even though if it's like the Panthers and the Broncos and uh they lost to the Jaguars. It, 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 they just feel like they're struggling. I think if everybody gets healthy, they're in the same tier, but where they are now, Bengals are probably a step above. So I think those three are the clear AFC favorites. Did the Bengals start too slow to get home field advantage? Probably. So they'll have to travel to KC or to Buffalo, but they did that before with the traveling to Kansas City and winning the AFC championship on the road. There's another reason this game is so big. Um, obviously, you want to you want to stop that losing streak versus the Cleveland Browns. Um, you you go into this game and and it, you know we, we keep talking about it. it doesn't get easy in the second half of the season, and then they do what they're doing. They beat Tennessee, you beat Kansas City, and then you're like, okay, well hold on a second. How many can they win in the back half stretch? Which ones will they drop? And I think you 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 win. You you have to get that one. Get that monkey off your back, and Joe Burrow can just be like, that's over. I don't have to hear about that one anymore. And there's a really big chance that the Steelers beat the Baltimore Ravens and you can have that solo place 
because yes, Baltimore has that easy back half of this the schedule, but their quarterback situation's up in the air. It's it's one, maybe three weeks. Who knows when Jackson's gonna get back? But even when he is out there, this offense looks very beatable in the Baltimore Ravens that any team going against them, you know, who knows what will happen for them. And it just feels like in the driver's seat of the AFC North with these these next few games. That's why this game is so important. And you you want to we, we talked about they were 0-3 in the division. If you can get 3 and 3 in the AFC North, that's huge for how the season started. You need some help um from other teams as well, like the Steelers against Baltimore because you're 1 and 3 in the division. Baltimore, I believe, was 3 and 0 last I looked. But uh either way, you need to be able to get them to three losses by the time you play week 18. Otherwise you're going to have to be a full game ahead, which is fine. They're currently tied and they play and the Bengals win, then they'll take the AFC North. But if you end up because the schedule, their schedule is much harder than the, than the Ravens schedule because they get the Steelers twice, the Browns, they already beat the Broncos. These are the games I'm thinking of, but uh, the it's setting up that it could be Baltimore up, one game because the Bengals drop the game to the Bills and Baltimore wins out, or they drop the game to the Bills and they lose one to the Bucks. I don't know. Uh, the not that the Bucks are that scary. I think that's also part of the reason that the back half doesn't look as bad is because Buccaneers don't look as scary as they did on paper. But I think they want to be in a position where it's when and you're in, even if they're a game back. Well, not when you're in, but when you, and you host a playoff game, you win the North even if they are a game back of the Ravens, because that is possible, but they need help for that. So they need the Steelers to win this game uh, against Baltimore. Otherwise they need to at least be tied or ahead when they play that game. The thing that'll really suck is if you're one game ahead of the Ravens, but they've got that division record and then you drop that game for some reason. And now you go from really feeling like you're about to host a playoff game into you need to go on the road week one, maybe even to Baltimore. Yeah, that last game of the season just feels like it's going to be division winner. It feels like whoever wins that is going to be a divisional winner. And what a hype game that would be to win that game if it is deciding who it is and and get back-to-back division titles, play that home playoff game, and then go on the road. You know, they've done it before. Uh, that's nothing for Joe Burrow, but uh, but yeah, it, it's going to be fun. This this whole outlook of these next few games is huge, but just this game alone, I just feel like it's just one of those that you want to, Joe Burrow just wants to cross it off his list and be like, I'm done with all this Browns talk. And let's, let's end the Cleveland Browns season and just be like, all right, you're done. No, no more. Con- they, there are people in, in Cleveland who think they control their own destiny right now. And you, you're like, no, let's stop them. <laughs> Let's stop them right here, right now in Cincinnati. So huge game. I can't wait to talk more about it when we give our preview and predictions. But next, we'll get to Q&A, mailbag. Everybody did a great job sending us questions. Make sure you're following along at LNDS Patterson and Bengals underscore Sands. We'll be back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. This, this is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati, Mailbag Edition, Thursday preview. A lot of good questions. I'm going to start with Adam Wheels. He says, how many defensive-minded coaches at Lou's age get the opportunity to be a head coach? And if you had to pick five places to eat the rest of your life, where would it be? 
the age thing with Lou Anarumo is interesting because he's 56. Yeah. So he's older, but he had such a cool background to get to the NFL where he started as a high school coach, moved to like D three college, worked his way up through all the way to D one college. And then he ends up getting an NFL gig. So he worked his way up from nothing. Like most of these guys, you look around the NFL it's, oh, that's a former player with his old coach. Or, oh, Kyle Shanahan. Oh, he must relate to Mike Shanahan or Matt LaFleur and Mike LaFleur. It's like you get a lot of legacy names. You get a little bit of nepotism. So it's kind of cool that uh, this guy just rose from nothing and just made connections along the way. So I don't think there's many defensive-minded guys that have done that. Uh, like Pete Carroll. But, yeah, Pete Carroll was a rock star in USC and he already worked in the NFL before he got that Seahawks job as well. Um, Mike Zimmer, is that a good one for, uh, he got a head coaching gig and he's currently 66. It was about 10 years ago, 50 something. So I, I there, Mike Zimmer, I guess that's your <laughs> former Bengal <laughs> defensive coordinator gets a head coaching gig somewhere. Similar path, I guess. Uh, I, I haven't looked too deep into Mike Zimmer's history, but he was in the NFL a long time. Yeah, no, I I think Lou's going to be fine. And, and the, the only problem, what, what Lou has going against him is he's a defensive coordinator. It, especially in today's NFL. Like that used to not be as big of a deal, but it really feels like most of these guys want to find the Mike McDaniel uh, types rather than trying to find, uh, I don't know. Basically, D'Amico Ryans would probably be a head coach two times over by now if this was 2008. I want to say with this too, because DD Maine says he has a hypothetical. He read a Peter King article, which had a lot of love for the Cincinnati Bengals on Monday morning. He said, do you think that they would rather have, if you're the Chargers, someone like Lou to stop Mahomes or a Brian Callahan to develop Herbert? Um, I think they would lean towards the Callahan. A little bit of that is the same thing. You know, it's, the NFL wants these offensive guys, but two, they just did the whole defensive head coach thing. So if they get rid of Brandon Staley and then they bring in Lou Anarumo, it's a little bit of like, well, we just tried that, didn't we? And the offense stunk because he just hired some, some guy he knew, the Joe Lombardi, um, and it didn't mesh well. So why don't we get a guy that's fully focused on the offense? So that way we know that he's going to be able to work with our quarterback. So I would think they lean towards Callahan, but I do think every AFC West team should take a peek at Lou Anarumo. Just give him a little interview. Just like, uh, how are you stopping Mahomes? Even if you don't hire him, you got to get to do the whole whiteboard of just like uh, picking his brain a tiny bit of like, what's going, what's going on there? How are you, how are you slowing that guy down? <laughs> we want to. Yeah, no, I, I think with, with, with all of that, um, Lou is great and he is awesome. And this is a Lou Stan podcast. Lou has talented players too and he and what I like about Lou is there are guys who are coming here to have another career like the Eli Apples um all, all like the people who they drafted in the linebacker room that a lot of people I remember when they drafted Logan Wilson they got a little criticism like why did you get this guy what's he gonna do what he's able to develop with these players is a whole nother level and I think people need to look at that when when peeking at Lou like not only can he stop Patrick Mahomes 
but look what he's done with this offense or look what he's done with this defense and, and some of the guys that they've drafted brought in through free agency. Um, they, they love Lou. And I, I, I mean, that stuff is important. Uh, but, but with the chargers, they're the first thing the chargers need to do is fire their doctor, their team doctor. <laughs> it is the same guy that stabbed Tyrod, isn't it? Yes. I, I saw that. Yeah. They didn't, I, <laughs> I want that job security. <laughs> Somebody, I, I actually brought that up like maybe a couple months ago and I'm like, what? This guy still has a job with this team. And they're like, well, things happen. Accidents happen. I'm like, no one, it's your quarterback. No, 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 no. Um, so yeah, the chargers have a lot of problems right now. And, uh, I, I don't, I, that's, it's just unfortunate. I really, maybe I'll be wrong and maybe we'll look back on this. And like I said, selfishly, I want Lou to be on the Cincinnati Bengals for a lifetime. I don't want him going anywhere, but also, um, rooting for Lou to, to get those opportunities. We'll go with this. Cause it was actually something when you look at the injury report, Will G says with Hurst in a boot, might we see Aussie Aussie on the field in some spots coming up? He's an intriguing player. I think so. I mean, uh, Wilcox, even though he's the tight end one, he's not going to play 100% of snaps. Do they get into any 12 personnel? If you get into any 12 personnel, it's going to be Asi Asi on the field. Uh, and he's hit the field already a little bit. Yeah, he was the mm. guy that didn't run the, the flat route on the RPO that Joe, Joe Burrow turned into a 16-yard running play. Um, but, yeah, you're going to see Asi Asi. I don't know how much they trust him and I don't know if he's earned much trust, but I do think he's looked like an okay blocker when he's out there. So it's gonna be weird moving on. Both these guys are probably slightly better inline blockers than Hearst and Hearst had that giant blow up uh, SIF block, but that is also with a running start. I'm talking about like on the line being a lineman type of blocking and these two are a little bit better at it than he is. So that'll be interesting and it is the Browns. So maybe you want to run a little bit, but uh, I think you'll see plenty of Asiasi. I don't think it'll be more than like 15 snaps, though. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with it. I have some strange feeling that Asiasi is going to score their first touchdown. All right. That's a strange call. I'll go I know. I know. I know. Because you know what? Zach Taylor's been in his bag over the last couple of weeks. And I think it's going to be some random throw to Asiasi. Um, and that is definitely going on a limb. And I've been wrong about my interceptions over the last couple of weeks. But, you know, sometimes it's going to hit. Well, they're just not getting interceptions. <laughs> or just not getting them. Just stealing the ball out of Travis Kelsey's hand. Um, but, yeah, no. So I've been wrong about that. And I don't know why. I don't know why. It's just it's just they've been really uh, – they've been fun to watch on offense. And I feel like it's going to be some random play. If not, it's Joe Mixon running it in. That's but, my thought is just they, they just give the ball like, to Mixon, give him the touchdown. Makes like, sense on paper. Makes sense, you know, to get his confidence back. Uh, but, you know, I I, I almost uh, – I don't love the Aussie Aussie call just because I'm like, I really hope they don't start galaxy braining against the Browns and right. like blow the game that way because they're like, ah, this time we're going <laughs> to we're gonna, we're gonna fake the fake and get the ball to our backup tight end in the corner of the end. So it's like – all right, hold on, guys. <laughs> what if we just ran straight ahead? You're right. Never mind, Zach Taylor. If you're listening to this podcast, do not give it to Asi Asi to score the touchdown. No offense to Asi Asi. Make it simple. Run it right in. Joe runs it in on a QB sneak. Or maybe it's Joe Mixon or maybe it's Maj P. Ryan. Don't make this complicating. Never mind. Ax that old plan. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna go with we're gonna go with I'll never forget the Philly special. Um, we'll, we'll stay with, uh, the Hurst and Mixon talk too. Ryan M says if Hurst is out, which 
It sounds like Hayden Hurst is going to be out for a week or so to be determined on when he returns, but it doesn't sound serious, according to Hayden Hurst. His words, not mine. Mixon is good to go. Might we see some sets where P. Ryan is in the backfield and Mixon lines up as a receiver? Probably not. Why uh, you game this way? Well, because I'm just trying try to be honest. I mean, I don't <laughs> think they run that much of the 20 personnel in general. And then to go with that, they the whole running back at wide receiver thing just doesn't happen very often. I We've it talked doesn't. about this before. Like when they go outside and empty, like, yeah, sure. The, you put your running back out there and empty, but like a generic two by two, you got the running back next to you. You're not putting the running back in the slot. You know, you're not taking Tyler Boyd off the field to put mix in there. I guess in this case, you're taking Hurst off the field and putting mix in there or taking Wilcox off the field and putting mix in there. But what I, whatever, uh, he's not as good of a blocker. So like you do gain value from having uh, an Asiasi or a Wilcox on the field because you can run different run plays. If Mixon is out wide or in an H-back type position, he's not going to lead block. And if you flip that, maybe Pirine could, but I just, I don't think this happens anywhere near as much as it gets talked about. Like across the NFL teams don't really do this that often. All right, then that's a no. <laughs> Sean <laughs> says, I do like this because my favorite thing in the world, I joke about it like the comparison game, um, but I love to hear comparisons with players when they're playing well. Sean says, what is Cordell Volson's ceiling? Existing NFL O-line comparables. Oh, it's not existing. I think it's the popular one to say Clint Bowling because he was a Bengal, just a solid left guard. I mean, plug him and play him for the next six, seven years. I think he'll be, that's about what my career trajectory for him would be. Just a solid guard. I, I don't know. I, I don't think you could reasonably say like a Joe Tooney type where he's near all pro level, but and. He looks like a solid guard. I don't know how much more he develops from there. He's going to become a more consistent player, but I don't know if there's a realistic, like all pro level ceiling, but you don't need that. He was a late fourth round pick. I think a Clint Bowling type um, trying to rack my brain for another just middle of the road left guard, like uh, Isaac Somolo. I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to stick with Clint Bowling because nobody's going to know whatever mid-level left guard I tried to throw out there. We'll Just like it. I tried. If you know Isaac Samalu from the from the Eagles, actually a right guard, then uh, you could let me know that uh, you know who I'm talking about. No, I'm speaking of the Eagles. I'm just throwing up this random fact right now. We're at this point in the season. Your prediction before the season was the Eagles and Eagles the Bengals. Bengals. And they're like two and three in the power rankings, which is – right. Insane, and, and we love to see it. I just needed to throw that fact out there. Credit to Mike. Yep, don't we'll doubt me. That, I mean, hopefully you're right. I hope you're right. Please be right. That's awesome. It's, it's an expensive awesome, but please be right. Um, Matt says, how's Dax Hill doing? Do you expect an increase in his playing time? I feel like we can ask this every week, and we're going to get what we already know. Uh, he needs to see the field. <laughs> I, I mean, like, when he plays, he's fine. I just – He's not playing much and like he has some highlight reps. He has some reps. He didn't do that well, but it's just so little playing time that it's really hard to come up with a, uh, no, yeah, he's doing great type of situation. I think he's doing fine. And I don't, 
I don't think it's bad or good. I just think it's like there's not a NA not complete or you know and NC not complete. You know, it's hard to do an eval, especially because he comes in for all these weird packages for the most part. He's Bates and Bell haven't really missed a full game for him to just play a full allotment of snaps at safety. So he comes in these you know, three safety packages, rushes the passer, or he drops really deep down the field or something like that. It's just, I personally don't have much feel on it. And I'm sure that is probably where you're going as well. Yeah, 100%. And and Lou told us before the season kind of his outlook on it. This isn't anything against Dax Hill. It was almost like, who are you taking off the field to replace him? Um, and at this moment, he's going to learn on the sideline. It's Dax Hill's job next year, everybody. I'm not breaking news there that it's his job. And going from your off-season workouts to your training camp to um, your second year in the NFL, and maybe this will be beneficial for his development, what he's seen from these vets on the team and, and the leadership on defense working with Lou. Um, I don't think this is a bad thing. Um, when you pick this lead in the draft, this stuff will happen. It's not always going to be an impact player right away. Uh, I know, you know, there's probably a few guys ahead of them, maybe even Kansas City's pick that they would have probably taken when it comes to uh, getting to the quarterback and some depth there. But unfortunately, this is the way it went. And this could be a great thing. This is nothing against Dax Hill. Um, we haven't seen him enough to really um, judge or grade what he can do out there. And I don't believe in draft grades until like three to four years in their NFL career to know what they can do. So I think it's just, it's just the way the ball is rolling right now. And um, Dax will be fun to watch next year. And that's when we'll really see Dax Hill. I think we pretty much know at this point in the season that this is really what we're going to see from him right now. Uh, we'll, we'll say, Oh, go ahead. I was just say, almost have to say, hopefully we'll see him more next year because if you see him more this year, it's because yeah. of the injury. Yeah, and I definitely don't want to see that. Uh, we want to see Dax Hill next year and just observe, be there with your teammates, support them, get them some water if they need some. Um, but yeah, <laughs> some don't, don't, we don't, no offense to Dax Hill, we don't want to see him yet. We don't want to see him yet. We want to see what we have out there as with our starters. Um, I'm going to stay with just kind of the secondary area. Sean Denning says, why is Cam Taylor Britt going to be the greatest corner in Bengals history? That's a really tough ask. Uh, Ken Riley's making the Hall of Fame this year. Not named Ken Riley. Not named Ken Riley. So then yep. Lamar Parrish, better than him, better than uh, Leon Hall, Jonathan Joseph, all those guys. Mm -hmm. I think I think Cam Taylor Britt's a lot of fun. I think he loves to hit. He's very physical and he's very physical talent. You know, he's very athletic, a little bit stiff, but like straight line speed. He's got a lot of that and he's not afraid of contact. So there's plenty to like. Um, I know it's just hyperbole. I think he's on a good path right now. It's hard to come into the league and play at corner, and he's coming in and playing solid football at corner, and he'll get better over time. Lewis Riddick uh, in March and April, or not in March, but in April, was a huge, huge fan of Cam Taylor Britt, and he loved that pick for Cincinnati. So, so far, I like Lewis. He, he knows what he's doing, uh, former NFL front office, ESPN broadcaster right now. I believe everything he says about Cam Taylor Britt and what we're seeing now, it's just fun. And, and hopefully um, we'll just see so much more in his Bengals career. Bringing up cornerbacks, though, you remember the Torrey James, Delso O'Neal years? Yes, of course. Fun fact, I had a Delta O'Neal jersey. Love Delta, so I, I fully support this. Yeah. He was, he, uh, he was like um, Trevon Diggs, but less interceptions. That was a fun year. Delta O'Neal, Torrey James, they went off. 
and then we and then we were so lucky because we had Leon Hall and Jonathan Joseph, um, 2006, 2007 draft class. Uh, so that was fun. No, just random facts uh, about that. I was sporting that in, in elementary or middle school. I can't even remember, but uh, just the probably only person in my high school or middle. Well, I don't even know what grade I was in was wearing that jersey. The fun fact on Delta O'Neill's in 2001, he tied the record for most interceptions in a game with four. Well, go Delta. Big 24 podcast. It's Dan. <laughs> <laughs> that was before the, uh, that was right before the Bengals. It was when he was a Bronco. I remember that. I remember that. He was with the Bengals. Ba- okay, can you tell me how long he was with the Bengals? Because it was really short. It wasn't that short. It was four years. Oh, really? Yeah, he was only, he was only like full-time starter for two years, I think is. Yeah, because they drafted Jonathan Joseph in 06 and then Leon Hall in 07. Then he left to New England, and then that was the end of his career. He had 10 interceptions in 2005, though. That was sick. This I promise we are going to move on to Bengals and Browns, but I have one question for you, and this is so random. This is like random Bengals talk right now. Do you think the Bengals made the right move when they had to decide between Leon, Leon Hall and Jonathan Joseph? Well, I think it's one of the rare moments of – both of those would have been fine. Jonathan Joseph with a little bit of malcontent, so yes. Although, who's the better player? I think it was Joseph by hair. But he, he wasn't happy in Cincinnati, so let him go. He went, he had a great career in Houston after that. Kind of sucked because he kept beating the Bengals right after that to get into the playoffs. Uh, or in the playoffs, sorry. Uh, but I really, I think the correct move was to pay both, but I, I don't think Jonathan Joseph wanted to stay. Full circle, the Bengals ended Jonathan Joseph's career. That's true. Tennessee in uh, Burroughs' rookie season. That was uh, that was when we knew he was done. <laughs> yep. Sorry, this is so random. These are thoughts that run through my uh, nerdy brain head uh, when it comes to former players. Yeah, what's the next one? Did they make the right move letting Cedric Benson walk? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> This, this is negative talk, only positive talk. Look where we're at. Look where we're at right now in 2022. So much Jordan year, and this team is just, they're, they're, they're hitting on all cylinders. Next, we're going to actually talk about the game. Bengals and Browns, what's going to happen? The week is finally here on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. This, this is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Week 14, this NFL season's flying by. I like it. I love it. I kind of want it to slow down just a little bit, but the Bengals are 8-4. They're hoping to improve to 9-4 and four on the season. The Cleveland Browns are coming to town, Mike, and uh, what's going to happen? I kind of hinted at it. I think the Bengals win. I think they match up really well on paper. It's just how much weight do you put? The Browns clearly play above their – their weight class when they play against the Bengals, at least the past two seasons. So how much weight do you put into that? I don't know. Like it's hard because yeah, Burroughs 0-4 against them. That includes a game that they won. And then Donovan Peoples-Jones caught a Hail Mary from like 60 yards away. Like then he's one and three and we're not even having this talk. Like if if that ball just goes out of bounds where they play two high coverage instead of one high uh, that ball just goes out of bounds or, you know, falls to the ground and Burroughs now one and three and is a little bit like information. Like, Oh, that's interesting. He's one and three, but nobody really thinks that much about it. Oh, and four, the big zero, it just stares you in the face. It's like, he can't do it. It's kind of like the Patrick Mahomes thing. Like it, he can't beat the Bengals. Oh, and three, but if it was one and three, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> um, 
I don't know. I think they match up really well on paper. It's hard for me to look at this and other than just narratively and getting a trying to roll with the idea that the Browns are just going to step up their play when they play the Bengals like they always do. Also redacted over there, had a bad game. Does he continue to play at a substandard level? I'd prefer it. Um, hoping for some sacks, <laughs> but <Why>? uh, <laughs> uh, they're at home too. I feel like they're a better home team than they are on the road, even though they did really well on the road last postseason. Uh, so I'm going to go with the Bengals. I'm flying by the seat of my pants, 31-24. I like it. And honestly, I'm, I'm doing the same. Uh, I I don't think too much about Joe Burrows and the Bengals record against the Browns recently. I just don't. It doesn't factor in. I, I know Cleveland talks about it a lot, that Joe, they can't, that Joe Burrow can't get over this hump and beat them. But the team lost – both games last year. I know Joe Burrow didn't play in the last game of the season, but that didn't factor into the road to the Super Bowl. Right now, it matters because they need AFC North wins, and I, I want them to finally just get the monkey off the back and, and finally beat this team, do it at home. They've lost one game at home. It was that crazy week one game that they almost still won. Um, they play well there. The atmosphere is there, and I think you just have to make it simple. Um, we say it every week. This team just needs to get off to a hot start score first, do that. And you're in control of this game. Don't do anything too crazy. Run the ball. If you can, you should be able to against this defense. I think when you watch the Browns last week against a terrible Houston Texans team, who pretty much felt like they are tanky. Well, they started <laughs> Kyle Allen and yeah, I know Davis Mills isn't the guy, but if they were trying to win, and I know they're going back to him because of that, but it's like, yeah, Kyle Allen, we know who that is. This isn't some, like, fifth-round draft pick. You're like, oh, I'll see what we got there. It's like, no, Mills is the young one. You're just throwing Kyle Allen, who nobody knew was even in the NFL back out there. And, the, and their offense looked bad. I mean, the way they scored touchdowns wasn't because of their quarterback. Everybody yeah, the knows. Browns scored three touchdowns, a punt return, and two defensive touchdowns. And, and honestly, everybody knows – personally how I feel about Deshaun Watson, how a lot of people feel about him uh, when it comes to his play on the field. I hope he sees the ground a lot. And I hope he throws to his favorite wide receiver, the football field, like we saw last week. Um, Cause he looked like he didn't, he, it might be more rust and it, and that might just be a factor in what he's going to look like this season. Um, getting back to game speed. Look, it took Joe Burrow a while after coming back from appendix. This guy hasn't been in the league in a couple years and he comes back out there and he's not going to be your savior in Cleveland. Sorry, not right now. When you have Joe Burrow on the other side, I just feel very confident with the way this offense is rolling and this defense is doing the same thing right now. It's wild. And you'll have DJ reader back out there. Who Didn't was have DJ reader in that first matchup. I don't know how I haven't mentioned that personally, but uh, yeah. that's huge, especially against the Browns run game. Yeah, and I, I think that's a factor. You get Jamar Chase back out there. I know T. Higgins showed up on the injury report on Thursday. He was limited. Hopefully, you know, that doesn't mean anything or linger into Friday, and he's good to go out there. You get Joe Mixon back. You have Samaj P. Ryan, both running backs who are rolling right now, and I think you just make it simple. You finally get that win, and it would be a huge one going 9-4. and four. He said that the, this record, this start, is better than what they were in 2021, and that's when they really got their season going was in December of last Last year and right now it just feels like this team is one of the top teams in the AFC and the NFL and I just think I'm going to go 28-24. 
Um, I don't know why I'm giving uh, Cleveland a chance to score that many points, but it's just always wild when they match up against each other. And it could be defensively. It could be on offense. Maybe Chubb, you know, has a good game or whatever, but I just, I'm going, yeah, I'm going 28-24. It might be just an annoying game at some point, but I, I feel pretty confident in this one. I'm real quick going to look something up because Donovan Peoples-Jones is like, a fine wide receiver, but I swear his career splits against the Bengals have to be pretty nuts compared to his overall. So I'm just trying to find that real quick. Cincinnati Bengals, he aver- <laughs> he averages uh, 65.3 yards per game. I thought it would be higher. I will be honest. Um, but, oh well. That's still above his normal average of career. 40.5 is career average, but he's at 65 for the Bengals. It's wild. It's absolutely wild. What that man did. is going to make a big catch. I, I have subscribed to the idea of there's just no stopping it. This is inevitable. But you just hope that it's not a big touchdown at the end of the game like it was in 2020. Do you think their quarterback plays another bad game? Um, my gut says yes. Because I just think it has been two years since he played football. And he is actually a very good quarterback, even though we're talking about him like this. I just think it is very tough to come back after two years of not playing at NFL game speed and to just pick up the football and go. Yeah. I think this is a – you the rest of the season for them, if you're going to look at this from a Browns fan's perspective or a Browns team's perspective, is probably just get that guy up to speed so next year we can compete – they're obviously pretty much done already. I mean, the best they can finish is 10 and 7. I uh, have to think about 17 games now. Uh, and that's not likely. So can they get to 9 and 8 and maybe squeak in? Like, I guess that's the cope. But uh, I don't think they look good enough for that personally. I'm not going to lie. I think it would be hilarious if they spent all this money on this guy. And he never gets back to what we've seen Deshaun Watson look like on a football field. I think yeah. it would be such a Browns move. The the funniest outcome for everybody else that's not the Browns is that Deshaun Watson never plays well. And for me, the funniest outcome personally is if I hear Jacoby Brissett chance. But the funny thing is, Jacoby Brissett looked really good against the Bengals in that matchup. And yeah, he was really good. The thing is, they're, they're giving him the bag, so there's no way that I feel like they're going to remove Deshaun Watson from the game. But I, w- I'll, I will say, you said, does he play bad? I don't know. My gut says yes. Does he play worse than Jacoby Brissett played in that first game? And I say yes. I think he definitely does because Brissett was – he was he was slinging it. He was. Like, I, I at the second half of the game, I'm like, he's just making fun of the Bengals' defense now. You could hear him on the broadcast, and it was, like, absolutely terrible. On uh, Yeah, and who knows what this game is going to look like. Look, again, this is such a different situation because you are facing a quarterback who you, you have the game tape on from previous seasons in the NFL, and you get to see what he looked like against the Texans. Maybe it's not as rusty as what what it was in, in week, his, his return back to the football field. But at the same time, I just feel like, and, and maybe it's more of the, the home atmosphere, the home vibes, and this defense – um, but I think they're going to make it a difficult day for him. And, and I just, I just like the way the offense is rolling. So yeah, I'm going, I'm going win number nine. 
at Pecor Stadium. Hard not to feel good about this team right now after they win against the Chiefs and they beat the Titans. So um, what I'm hoping is I have no idea if this game is on Manning cast, but the Browns game was so bad for the Manning cast because it was over within like 10 minutes that they were just basically not talking much about the game anymore. <laughs> so that was sad. Uh, they play the Bills Monday Night Football. I hope the Manning cast is there and I hope it's better. Like I hope that's just exciting and they get to talk all about Joe Burrow and Josh Allen and this matchup rather than getting into whatever stories with guests within 10 minutes of the game. Well, it's it's absolutely wild to think about, but you get, if you're a broadcaster for the, you get a broadcast Cincinnati Bengals games for the next like half of the season after this game, you get to talk about Tom Brady, Joe Burrow next week. Mm-hmm. And yes, I know Tom's not the old Tom, but he's still Tom Brady and it's still Joe Burrow and Tom Brady. The following week you get Mac Jones. <laughs> I mean, Bill yeah. Belichick. Bill Belichick against against Joe Burrow, and then you get that that Allen matchup, and it's going to be it's just really exciting to think that we get to talk about this on the pod those weeks. But and then just, the Lamar right after that, right? That's yeah, that's it's Lamar. I think yeah. that that there's a very high likelihood that last game gets flexed in the Sunday Night Football. No, right? don't do it. Don't do it. I just mean if it is for the division, I don't know any other games that'll it. probably be for. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's a four o'clock or I don't think they're going to protect it. So no, it's honestly, if you look at the other games that day and they love that game to be the deciding factor, they're huge on flexing the game that win and you're in or win in your wild card or your division winner, that would be huge for NBC. So they want that game and it will be, um, I, I mean, if it's looking like it's going to be up for the division that that game gets flexed and maybe it's not even if it's up for the division, just how two playoff teams, um, what would be wild is, if Baltimore and Cincinnati played in that game and had to play each other. Play. Well, th- that reminds me of 2009 and the Jets, so I, I hope not. Let's talk, let's talk <laughs> think Carson Palmer, was it Carson Palmer that looked terrible in the Jets game? Yeah. He looked. He Everybody looked, looked terrible in that game. Sure. Mark Sanchez. There's a video. Fun fact. I swear I have these fun facts on this pod. There's a video of me at that game, and it's on NBC, and I'm going like this. And the broadcasters are talking about how, like, they feel sad for this girl right here. <laughs> and I was, yeah. Well, at least you're not like the very viral meme of the Bengals crying girl from 2015. I'm not, not, but um, Although that no. was all of us. Yeah. Good vibes only. Good vibes, Good vibes only, only on this podcast. We're talking about the future. Was there you ever know? another matchup where the. I don't know. Uh, did the Bengals ever have a win and you're in situation? And then also, you know, week, week 17, week 18, whatever, uh, last game of the season, they play that team. Then they played them again next week in the playoffs. Probably not. It was probably yeah. just the Jets one, but is there a positive one out there? I don't know. Let us know. Let us know at us on Twitter at LNDS Patterson and Bengals underscore Sands. No, this is fun. I'm excited. I hope both of us are right. And they improved the nine and four on the season. I can't wait to talk about it. We'll have post game reaction, win, lose, or hopefully not a tie. Um, and a look ahead to Bengals and Bucks the following week. As always, thank you for listening to It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.